All right, to get started this morning, I'm going to read Luke chapter 6, the sermon of Jesus is up to the point where we're at. I'm going to do this every week that, until we're done with this sermon, because it's good to get the context of this passage of Scripture. So I'm going to start at the beginning of uh, verse 17, uh, that kind of starts where the sermon is going to happen, and uh, then we're going to read on down to verse uh, 42, 41 and 42 are where we're going to be at today. Um, you can look that up in your Bibles, Luke six seventeen. I also have it on the slides if you want to look at the slides. And uh, we're going to read through this. When I'm done reading, I'm going to take a moment and pray, and then we'll dig into those recent verses. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, For you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. For you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek. Offer the other also. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those From whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? 
A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. That's where we were at last week, or two weeks, or three weeks ago now, actually. And here's our new verses for today, verses 41 and 42. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Luke, for taking the time to gather his sources, get those eyewitness accounts, pull together these pieces of scripture. I thank you for your spirit that inspired Luke in this writing that it would be the true word of God as revealed by you. I thank you that it's been preserved over the centuries that we can, in a church on the opposite side of the globe from where this all happened, read about it and still hear Jesus preaching and teaching. I ask that you would guide our thoughts today as we look at these next two verses, or that you'd help them to do the work that they were intended, not only with that original audience, but also in each one of us. In Christ's name, amen. I have a feeling when I get to the end of all of this, that last Sunday, I may just have to just read this sermon of Jesus's and just say, I mean, that's powerful stuff when you hear it all together, isn't it? Actually, I say that it's powerful stuff, but what it feels like sometimes, it feels more like a, have you ever seen um, Rocky Balboa start doing this on that thing? That's what it feels like a little bit to me. It's like, you know, ow. Now, this is a fairly straightforward message today, this passage we're looking at. In fact, I want to ask you, who's heard this before? Almost everybody. Let me, let me just ask you, I know this is a, always a nerve-wracking thing, but uh, let me just ask you, did anybody in the room want to say, you know what, I, I've heard it, in fact, I want to tell you, there, there's been some times in my life that that passage hit me hard, and I could maybe not share the whole thing, but either testify, yeah, that, that's done that, or, or anybody have anything you say, Here, here's a time in my life, feel free to take, a, if you want to take a minute to say, just share something, I'm going to give you a chance to let you think about it for a second. Has this verse ever had, these two verses ever had an impact in your life in such a way? And you go, I can't tell all the details, but this one time I was, and I started to realize I was the log in the eye guy. Anybody have anything you want to share? You don't have to. I'm just curious. Yeah. In fact, I would say probably anybody in this room that's ever preached or taught the scriptures had
has had times like that where you're like, I'm up here telling you about something and I'm the biggest hypocrite in the room some days. Anybody else? Something you, Felicia. Oh, no, no, no. Sweet, adorable Addie. No, no. Yeah, right now. <laughs> I'm so glad. He, there's some of these words I want you to hold on to. That you hear that exposes? And it's interesting. I think we're going to see some of this. Sometimes other people's sin exposes what? Your own. That's not, in my, that's not one of my points, but hold on to that because it ties right in with this, right? Did you have your hand up too? Yeah, and that's that's so good too. See, there's see there's some wisdom about this passage already here. Did you catch that? And I'll get to you in just. Did you catch that before I could help? And and if you're thinking about the passage, that that's talks about that in there. Before I can help, right? There's something else. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this is good. Anybody else? Yeah. Hmm. That's, that's a really good, I'm gonna, we're going to hold on to that particular one. I didn't know there was a baby in the room till just now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Cute baby. Focus, Matt. Focus. Okay. Mm. Anybody else? All right. Those, these were all good. These were all good. Um, in this text, we're going to see two problems kind of highlighted two basic ways this manifests itself and we're going to see a call to action that has two steps to it again this passage is so clear i think everybody in this room could sit down with this passage and get what i'm going to tell you today you could get it but that's going to be the challenge isn't it in fact i think you're going to find that maybe in this as you're listening to it you're going to find that some of these things you're going to be thinking about 
others' issues with this and that they might need to hear it over yourself, which is funny and ironic because that's exactly what this is about. The two issues that he shows, the two ways it manifests itself, one is with the eyes and one's with the mouth. And when I say the eyes, I can mean more like the mind's eye, how you perceive things. So let's take a look at that first one. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Okay. Now, by the way, every commentary I read pointed out, this is funny. Jesus is being humorous here. This is meant to be ridiculous. If you don't believe me that it's ridiculous, I have brought with me today a speck. You see it? Okay. It's right there. Wait, no. There it is. Okay, I got it. Right there. Let me, let me just, I'm going to leave that right there. Now, a, a log or a beam is actually supposed to be a builder's beam, the main support beam of a house. I wasn't able to find one of those, but in honor of Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I brought myself a beam. Now, if you go, well, this, this isn't, how's this humorous? Let's think about it, Right? Oh man, did you see who's at church today? You know what I heard? (laughs) I heard that they were, and I heard about this thing that they were doing. Oh yeah, oh my goodness, can you believe them? Oh, look at that Paul over there. He didn't smile at me when I first came in. Ridiculous. Is it not ridiculous? It's meant to be ridiculous. The log, the beam, the speck. Notice that it says you see it, you see it, you notice it. You got this, and you're going, I see that. It's ridiculous. This is humor on Jesus' part. The beam. Don't miss, though, the beam is definitely large faults in your own life. The speck is issues. It's something small in somebody else's life. You guys might be able to help me out with some examples here. I was racking my brain trying to think of some good ones. The problem is... Well, if, I was, if it was 20 years ago, I, w- I had some good, fundamental, Bible-believing church examples 20 years ago. I've heard some of those. You see, you see those people? There's that, there's that guy at church, and he's just a jerk at work, right? And what's he do? He goes, did you hear about that church over there? They're not using the King James Version of the Bible. <laughs> You're a jerk. <laughs> You're a big fat jerk. You're rude. You're mean. You're annoying. I mean, you're just a horrible person in general, and you're worried about that? That was the first example I came up with. Oh, back in the day, I'm sure there would have been some that would have been like, you know, looking at our church. Oh, my goodness. They have a guitar. Now, some of you are like, what? That's a, that used to be a thing, right? You're like, what? Drums. What other kind of examples do you have? 
there's some big ones that come up every once in a while. There's some people that will sit there and they go, you know, they'll, they'll start looking out at the world around them. We've got a real sexual ethic issue going on in our world, do we not? How many Christians that know who Jesus is, that know what he's done for them, that know that he suffered and died on a cross for their sins, and yet are still getting on the internet in the secrecy of their home, looking at things they shouldn't be looking at, and yet they have the audacity to notice these people out in the world that don't know Jesus. And they're sitting there going, yeah, that, that's sick and disgusting. Which is worse, to know him and to continue to live in your sin? That's a beam. And what they're doing is a speck in comparison. There's a lot more examples I could give. I'm going to be honest with you, I struggled coming up with some because I, I'm just being honest with you. I, I worried about it. Hit, some of these could hit a little too close to home. I know that one hits close to home for some in this room. But I know I can throw that one out there and it can be a shot over the bow. And even in the middle of this, the ones that are struggling with those kinds of things can sit there and go, yeah, that is terrible. See what I'm saying? So problem one is, is simple. Ignoring the sins in your own life while noticing the issues in someone else's life. It's as simple as that. I can't make it any simpler. Now, I'm not going to get into the application. What do we do about this? But I'll throw something out there that I learned a long time ago. This, this is free of charge, a little extra pointer for you. I got this from a pastor many years ago. He said, this is a good little practical way to, to, to live out this idea. See your own sins as beams and see everyone else's sins as specks. I think that is a great way to start applying this to your life. What you got going on in your own heart, that's a beam. What you, whatever it is that's annoying you or frustrating you or challenging you that are sins in people's lives, that are wrong things that people are doing, see them that way and see what you're doing as something that needs emergency room attention. You can get a speck in your eye and just by rubbing your eyelid, you, sometimes you can get that out. If you got one of these stuck in your eye, you need to see a doctor. <laughs> That's a serious issue. You gotta go to the ER right now. Problem number two. This just adds to the audaciousness of the whole thing. This this piles on top of the previous one. How crazy this actually is. Jesus is pulling all, all the stops with the ironic humor here so imagine these people that are looking around noticing yeah look at that person there look at that oh my goodness what are they right i can't believe they're doing you know, we're doing that and then they open their mouth and so jesus says not just how can you see it and notice it when you got the log 
how can you then say to your brother? Hey, father-in-law, you got something in your eye there. Can I help you out? (laughs) Almost got him. Brother, let me take that speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You can't, you, you can't see that, and you think you're going to help that? This reminds me, I have a saying on my wall at school. I have a bunch of different little quotes and stuff I like to put on my wall at school. This one's from a, uh, they think Plato said it. Um, it says, wise men speak because they have something to say, fools because they have to say something. And I, I have that up there because you wouldn't believe how many kids come into my office and go, I just had to say something. And I want to go, no, you didn't. <laughs> the mouth. I got to say, that's bad. I got to say something. This is that unhelpful helper. It's, this is a challenging one, though, because this one can come across as very concerned about others. This might hit close. We've had people before that come to church once every three months, but every single time they have a doctrinal, devotional to share to help everybody out. I've had people like that come and start talking about their concern for others. I want to go, but they come to church. Like, that's elementary school Christianity. You start by being part of the body of Christ. And you're coming here, and you got something to teach us all, and you can't even be faithful to church. You see what I'm saying? That might hit close. I mentioned the, the porn watching. What about the one that's teaching a Sunday school? But... Paul's not confessing anything right now. But, but teaching a Sunday school. You might, I mean, picture it, the audacity of it. Well, you see the Sunday school teacher getting up and lecturing on how to overcome gossip. When in the secrecy of his home, he's doing that. I mentioned before the sexual ethics of our world. And there's some people that have a lot to say about that when they don't have their own mind in order so the problem number two is not just how you see it but the ones that end up saying something like i said it looks potentially helpful but this can also be helpful in identifying this problem if people tend to retract from your help that you're offering them Now think about this one for a minute. Went to my father-in-law. Now what's somebody going to do if I come over to offer to get a speck out of his eye and I come at him with this? Is he going to go, yeah, go ahead. What's he most likely going to do? Hold up there.
Now, this is going to be hard. I'm going to tell you right now. This is going to be hard. There's some, sometimes, if you find, if you go, I, you know, you, maybe you like helping people. But if you find, and I'm not saying this is always the case. Sometimes people respond differently. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I'm telling you right now. If you find that you're doing a lot of trying to help people, and there's a lot of people going, oh, <laughs> or ow, or seriously, you might need to go to the mirror and go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> there's something here. This is a tough one. Like I said, it's tough. Recognizing and seeing that you have this beam. You can't see it. Did you catch that in the passage? Let me go back. When you yourself do not see, there's a potential here of us not even seeing it. Before I get into the application of verse 42, I want <clears throat> to... In fact, the, the real problem, both these things are manifestations of a deeper issue, and he's going to say it next. But before I do, just like the last one, I'll give you a little, little piece of helpful advice. Another little pointer. This one also free of charge. Right? You ready for it? This is a proverb. Oop. There we go. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. That's a great verse. I love it much better than the NIV. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Even a fool is considered to be wise if he keeps his mouth shut. There's times. But there's a lot of times that I think many of us should be doing this. Right? Instead of helping somebody else. Now we're going to get into this a little bit deeper because the very next two words deal with what the actual issue is and jesus just calls it these two illustrations he just nailed with the next two words he's going to say this is what the problem is you're a hypocrite see this this passage i mean i this preach itself doesn't it who in here has heard the word hypocrite who in here has called somebody a hypocrite? Who in here has been a hypocrite? <laughs> the word hypocrite, I think most of you know. We, we know the, the usage of it, but the word literally means it's like a play actor, somebody acting. They're, they're playing at, for, from public perspective, where anybody can see them, they're going to pretend and play out and be. And maybe, I mean, they could be a method actor. I mean, they could be like all in in this role. You ever hear about these people that get so into a role they start to believe that's who they are? There's some people who claim to be Christians that, that is, this is exactly what the problem is. When everybody's watching, they are a top-notch Christian. People are like, spectacular fella. <laughs> wonderful lady. Just wonderful people. Just, uh, just you, you couldn't meet someone better. Loves the Lord. And they have managed to keep the depths of their sin hidden. We've seen this with big name pastors, haven't we? Up there preaching the word, 
It was an act. But there's a lot of times it's going on small. When you come to church, put your right face on, with the right people, when you're out in certain places in public, you are the person that you are when nobody else is watching. That's you, my friend. As ugly as it might be. Those thoughts that are rambling around in that brain of yours that you make sure you don't say in certain company, that's you. That's who you are. You are not the person that you're portraying to the public. That might be the hardest lesson of this whole thing. Because I'm pretty sure that every single one of us in here, to one degree or another, does some of that. And we need to repent. One of the reasons why I'm so thankful about this church, and many of you have the ability to come in here, and I love it, love it, love it. When you come in here and you say, I'm struggling with this. This was terrible, so I did a bad job with this. I'm going to tell you right now, not a single one of us needs somebody who's got the show put together. There's not a person in this room that that, we, none of us need that. If you're thinking to yourself when you're getting ready for church on Sunday or when you're getting ready to meet with someone, if you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I got to get myself together, make myself presentable, make sure it looks like I, I, I'm not a, a, a mess with what's going on with me and this here. If you're thinking that that's what anybody in this room wants, you're wrong. Not a single one of us actually wants that either. And sometimes it takes the first one to just go, I'm done acting, this is me. I'm done putting on a show, this is me. I struggle with this, I've had this problem, I'm doing this, this is going on in my life, I'm really, man, I got good days, bad days. That's what we all, and sometimes all it takes is that first one to just start doing that. And most of us, we hear that. And what do you, because think about it. What happens when you hear somebody talking about that? I bet 99% of us in the room, when we hear those, those struggles, 99% of us in this room are going, me too. That's me too. We need to repent of those things. If you're acting righteous and noticing other sins, just cut it out. If you're acting righteous... And pointing out other people's sins while ignoring your own, stop. But the biggest thing here, the church does not need any more Christians that are perfect out here. We don't need it at all. There was one righteous man. His name was Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins. His perfect righteousness is the only righteousness that any one of you has. It's a joke if you think you have some of your own. You don't. We're fully dependent on him for righteousness. And we're just a bunch of poor beggars showing other beggars where there's bread. But now let's shift this a little bit. There's one more lesson that we need to get in here. This two-part call to action in the rest of verse 42 is important. <clears throat> there was a rabbi in AD 100 that brought this to attention. I think this is going to ring 
you're going to read the, you're going to hear this quote and you're going to go are you sure that wasn't written last week rabbi tarpon don't know who this guy is He's reported to have said, I should be surprised if there was anyone in this generation. That sounds like something somebody would say now, right? I'd be surprised if there's anybody in this generation who would accept correction. If one says to a man, remove the speck from your eye, he will reply, remove the beam from yours. That was AD 100. It's not that many years after Christ. That it, it's this, this, this proverbial statement had spread. And I have to say, I read that and I thought, man, that's still today. Daryl Bach, one of the commentaries that I read, he put it this way. He addressed this particular quote. I actually read this quote in more than one, um, but he addressed it the best. He said, this is, this is the reversal, the very attitude that Jesus is actually seeking here. First, one removes the bean. Here's the two-part you know, call to action here. I mean, this is not rocket science. Okay? First, one removes the bean and then helps the other. You may have missed that in the middle of that statement. Remove the beam. That's not the only step. And then helps the other who in turn should be ready to be honest in dealing with genuine criticism. This is what this passage of scripture says at the end. You hypocrite. Here they are. Two steps. Once again, not rocket science. You don't need to be a master eye surgeon to understand what's being said here. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. So this first, I'm going to keep it simple for you. The first, call, first step of this call to action when we're thinking about hypocritical lifestyle manifesting itself in how we see others and how we speak with others. If you're having a hypocritical lifestyle manifesting itself that way, there's two things you need to do. And the first one is this. Log out. Right? The moment you become aware, there's a beam. That should be your number one most important task of your day. Get to the ER. That might be getting on your knees, crying out to God for repentance. That might be calling up your spiritual friend, that you know, knows the word, then how do I get rid of this thing? I'm pulling at it, it hurts. Which it does sometimes, doesn't it? You start trying to take some of these things out, you're like, ooh, maybe I just leave that there for a little bit longer. Mm, oh, man. Your fleshly, sinful body does not want to give those things up. That's okay. We're all living in fleshly, sinful bodies. There's going to be a part of you that you will live with till the day that you die, until this, this shell is dead, that is going to go, no, I want to keep it. But get the log out. I think this requires some self-examination. I'm so thankful for some of the things that were mentioned earlier. One of them, right, talking about when you start noticing, there, the, <clears throat> I have found that so often the Spirit of God does not work. This, the, I'm, I'm going to step aside here for a second. Spirit God, Spirit God for me, usually doesn't work in a way where I like feeling, oh, I'm so, that's usually not how it works. Most of the time for myself, the Spirit of God works like this. Man, can you believe that they, and then I hear this little tiny go, and the Spirit usually doesn't even say anything. He's usually not, 
yeah, well, you have that sin in your life. He doesn't, no, he doesn't even do that. He, honestly, the Spirit, all he's got to do with me many times is go, like, I'll be like noticing something in somebody else, and it, the Spirit just does one of these to me. Um, and I know what he's saying already. I'm like, oh, okay. What that looks like in a very practical way, there, there's times where you start to know, and it's just a thought in your head. You, you know, in the depths of your head, you know it. Oh, man, I'm guilty of that too. At that exact moment, shut up any help you were trying to give. Repent of your sins. Say, Lord, I, and maybe if you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody trying to help them and suddenly the Spirit shows you, go, you know what, i got to stop for a second. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I am so much more guilty than you are in this situation. You should be helping me. I got a beam. You got this speck, and you're coming to me for help with a speck, and I got this beam? I obviously have tricked you with my act. Because I'm a mess. If you're having trouble identifying those things, Turn to the Psalms. David was great at identifying and clarifying. I'll give you two examples. One, Psalm 139. Search me, O God, know my heart. Cry out these prayers to God. Search me, Lord, know my heart. Try me. And know my, know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, know... Help me to see myself clearly. Help me not to be a hypocrite who's playing a part. But let me be the genuine, real thing, Lord. Even if that means everybody gets to know how bad I am. Another one is Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is probably my favorite psalm. It goes through this, the, the role that the Word of God plays. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise and simple. This is life-changing reality of the Word of God, going through all these things, and, and that's a great place, like just reading the Word. It's, it's like uh, James actually talks about it, like it's looking into the perfect law of liberty, like a mirror. You see yourself. Read this living, powerful Word. Read it. You'll have those times you'll be reading it, and you'll go, man, that's me. I need to repent. But Psalm 19, after he's done talking about those things, he turns to God that who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from also from presumptuous sins. There's these different these errors, these these uh, you know hidden things, and keep back your servant from the things are presumptuous. Let them not have dominion over me. Help me, Lord. Work in me. Change me. Get the log out. You may find you have a quite a few. Durbach again says, the advice that follows is interesting for it does not tell someone never to deal with other people's problems. Okay, this is important. The two-step call to action does not stop with getting the log out. The advice that follows is interesting for it does not tell someone never to deal with other people's problems. Isn't that how we use this scripture? We flip it like that rabbi was talking about. And so when somebody comes to us, instead of hearing what they got to say, what do we do? Well, you better get the beam out of your own eye, pal. But 
Jesus didn't say, stop there. Rather, it says to take care of the major problem in your life, and then, and then, you will be able to help someone else. And that's what my mother-in-law was talking about. And it makes sense to the illustration. You get that thing out, I can see. As if by taking care of your own problem, you can see better to deal, oh, this is good, to deal sensitively with someone else's problem. Now, you know what wood in the eye feels like. Beam or speck. It hurts. You, you know people who have dealt with some beams in their eye. So often they're the most kind, compassionate people when it comes to dealing with the struggles you're having. You can almost see it in their eyes, their heart just melts for what you're going through. They go, oh man, it's so hard. My wife is amazing at that. I can say that when she's not in here. It's not going to be something that you're going to come to her with and her counseling where she's going to go. Well, that should be easy to deal with. To correct obscured vision, be self-critical, and then take appropriate action. Through those lessons, one is better placed to aid others. Thus, after humble self-examining to remove the beam, one can see to help someone else. So log out and get ready. Because there's a lot of actors out there that are going to need some help. You start pulling that beam out, God's going to open some doors of opportunity. Something we're called to do. Paul the Apostle says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, this isn't, see, we hear that, and sometimes we, what do we start to think when you hear that, you who are spiritual? I'm going to tell you right now, some of the people that we've identified as spiritual are acting Spiritual people are sometimes a bloody eye mess wearing patches. <laughs> right? They've been, they've been doing a lot of this. Oh, man, I just, oh, you know. And these are the, these people that are genuine, honest people. That's who we look for. But you who have been pulling those beams out and know what it's like, you're sitting there. God opens doors for you to help, and God is calling you to do that exact thing. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself. And people that have had any logs that they've finally been able to extract know the importance of that. Lest you too be tempted. One final one. 1 Thessalonians 5 says a similar thing. We urge you, brothers, admonish. And there's three different ways to attack this. I'm not going to dig into this one. We just finished 1 Thessalonians not that long ago here. Urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. And I'm going to tell you right now, you go, some, sometimes people go, well, how do you know? Should I be admonishing? Should I be encouraging? Should I be helping? Well, you know, I know I'm supposed to be patient with everybody, but what, do they need to admonish? Do they need this? The, the best way... 
to have the wisdom to know is when you got a bunch of these sitting over to the side, blood on the end that you've had extracted from your own life. Because you're going to go, oh yeah, I remember that one. That one was tough. And what I needed was a good swift kick in the pants. That, that one, I didn't need a good swift kick in the pants. I needed somebody to say, man, it's okay. It's okay. That's the best way to gain the wisdom to know how to respond is by being the kind of person that's had some beams that are removed. And now you're ready to help others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just... Uh, <clears throat> I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth in it. I would ask now not for any other reason other than I know this text and what it says. Or I would ask, and I know that there are others in this room, and, and I'm, this might be a selfish prayer, Lord, but I'm thinking about myself for just a moment. Lord, I just ask that you would help me with any logs I might have that I'm not even aware of. God, just open my own eyes first. Help me to see. I'm sure there's some there. Lord, I pray for others in this room that are acknowledging that same thing in themselves. Lord, I pray for those things that may be even coming to our minds. Pray in this moment. It's not a mystery. I got a log. I know what it is. Help us to repent. Confess our sins. You are faithful and just. Lord, help us to be these kind of people with logs out helping others. I pray this down in Christ's name. Amen.